Everyone doing okay? Good, good, good. So at the five o'clock, I had a hard time thinking of like uh, a funny story to tell. And I was watching the video at the seven and Savut's in the video. So I thought, um, it's kind of a funny story. So Savut had a birthday last week. And um, because uh, I take good care of the people that work here, I went out of my way to get him a really, really nice gift. So he's into sports, Savut. So um, not only, I've had this autographed football for a while that I was gonna give to him when his birthday rolled around. And um, I bought this really, really nice uh, glass case for it to like present it, you know, and he could put it in his office or maybe on the mantle at his home or whatever, you know, it's just really nice. And so in front of the entire staff, uh, brought him up there, you know, hey, it's Food's birthday. Everyone's, you know, happy birthday. And we had got a bunch of like, you know, dumb gifts for him. And, um, and then I pulled out my, my special gift in this glass case, the football, and it's autographed. And below the autograph, it says, don't stop believing, you know, just for a little extra encouragement. And... Um, He's like, wow, that's so awesome. He goes, who signed it? And I was like, I did. Um, and it was. It's my autograph on the football. But it's, uh, I told him, I mean, you know, how cool is that? That you have an autographed football by your, by your boss. So, uh, you know, we take good care of people around here. So um, anyways, we are, <laughs> oh, I almost forgot. Did he already leave? Kyle turns 40 tomorrow. So 40, one foot in the grave. He's almost done. So, no, he's lost. <laughs> I'm 41, so I can say that. So. Oh, there, he's right there. <laughs> sorry, with his family. I'm so sorry. Uh, anyway, so, um, <laughs> his birthday's tomorrow. So, um, okay. So, we just got done with the book of Matthew last weekend, finished that up, took us quite a while to get through that. We will start the book of Philippians next weekend, um, which is great. The word joy is in Philippians, I think, more than any other book of the Bible. And we kind of forgot what that word meant in the last year. So I thought it'd be good to cover a book of the Bible that talked about joy and contentment quite a bit. And it's very, very encouraging. So we'll get into that next weekend. And um, in between, though, doing a vision service. And I've always thought these were important. I think they're a little extra important in this season of the world right now. Um, because clarity, vision, direction seems to be a, a pretty elusive thing in the world right now. And uh, so the church needs to know where it's going, not just this church, the church, needs to know where it's going, and we need to make sure we do it the way the Lord wants us to do it. So that's what we're going to talk about today, our vision. And um, a lot of it's going to be bragging on you guys. You guys have been an absolutely phenomenal church in a very, very confusing and, and difficult time. And I'm going to show you some things that just kind of show you by the numbers how amazing you've been. Hopefully encourage you a little bit, tell you about some neat stuff that I think is coming up in the next four or five months, six months, and then uh, by the end of the year, some things that hopefully we can get to and, and do, and I just hope it encourages you, hope it gives you a little bit of clarity, hope it, if you're new, I hope it gives you an idea of what kind of church you're in right now, and um, I think it'll be beneficial, okay? So you should have got a notes handout when you walked in, has everything I'm going to say in there. Hang on to that one. Stick it in the back of your Bible, stick it in your purse, whatever, uh, because that holds me accountable. All the information on there is stuff that we plan on doing this year, and we do this to be transparent, and we do it to be held accountable. So hold on to that. Uh, everything should be on the screens. Everything is on the app. If you have the Experience Community app, you should get that if you don't have it. And if you're watching at home, everything will be on the bottom thirds, okay? All the major points that we cover today. So let's pray. Let's jump into this. Next week, we'll get into Philippians. I'm super excited about that. Really, really interesting Fantastic book of the Bible, and um, then we'll move forward, and uh, all right, okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. Father, I'm so personally honored and, and blessed, God, that I get to be a part of this church. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we have a wonderful congregation. Father, I pray that you bless our congregation, Lord, that you just keep our families safe and us as individuals safe, Lord, that you, you give us wisdom and insight and uh, that you fill us up with your spirit, God, and just walk close to us, Lord. Father, we don't just pray for our church, though. We pray for every church in our city. Pray for every church in the New England that we support and work with. We pray for every church that we work with in other countries, God, in El Salvador and Uganda and different places that we serve all around the world. And um, pray that you just keep your hand on us today, God. Pray that you keep your hand on the great nonprofits that we work with, like In Slavery, Tennessee, that we're working with this month, and that you continue to bless their endeavors and what they're doing. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, Father, and we pray all these things in your Son's name, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me start off by bragging on you a little bit here. So um, 
when we partner with different nonprofits and they come in and we highlight them, our church is already dedicated to giving them a certain amount of money before we even, you know, show them uh, to you guys, okay? And so they, in slavery, had a goal of $7,500 on top of that. So just to us, us giving money as individuals and helping them. So they've been here two weekends. This is their third. They wanted to get $7,500. You guys have already given $11,500. So... <laughs> It's, uh, it's just the kind of people you are, so thank you. So if you've never been to our church, here's our vision. You'll see it painted on our walls. You'll see it in our notes handouts. You'll see it on our website. You'll see it throughout the building and on our different publications. It is simply this, to lead people to Christ through authentic worship, authentic community, and authentic community service. Now break that down in detail here in a second, but this is pretty simple, straightforward stuff. Now where we get this from is we basically plagiarized what we talked about last week in the book of Matthew. Is Jesus is ascending into heaven, looks down at his followers, what is going to be the church, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples. I want you to baptize them and teach them. Now, that's very simple in theory. It's a little bit more complicated for us as humans in practice because we make mistakes. We're not perfect. So we have the entire rest of the New Testament. It's about the New Testament that shows us how to do the Great Commission, okay? Now, how we do that at this church in particular is we have what we call a discipleship process. Very, very simple. This is all our church does. We don't do anything outside of this. It's all we've ever done. It's all we'll ever do unless God tells me differently. But this is what we do, and I'll go into this in detail as well. We have worship services. That's what you're doing right now. We have next class once a month. And then we have this, this cycle of development and community and service opportunities. And as you get involved in this cycle, you get deeper and deeper in your relationship with God, deeper and deeper in your relationship with other people. And this goes on and on and on until we either pass away or Jesus comes back to take us, okay? But this is all we do here. Very, very simplistic. So let me go through each one of these, tell you a little bit about them, and then we'll just kind of keep moving forward. The first one is what we're doing right now, our worship gatherings, okay? Getting together once a week, worshiping, reading the Word of God, taking communion. Very important. Now, this is a biblical thing. Whenever I hear people that profess to be a Christian say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't think you have to go to church, that's nowhere biblically supported. In fact, these are just a couple of scriptures that I can show to you that it is imperative to go and worship as a corporate entity with other believers. In fact, the book of Hebrews says it should become more and more and more important as the coming of Jesus Christ gets closer. That means every day you live, it should be more important to go to church. And if you weren't, if you didn't notice it or if you didn't have a church home in the early parts of 2020 when we had to close the doors here for a while because everything was shut down, it's miserable when you can't go to church. It's really, really rough. I'm a really funny guy. And when everything was closed down, and I had to get up here and speak to an empty room. <laughs> Thank you over here. And when I had to speak to a, to a huge empty room, that's terrible. I remember there'd be weekends, me and Kyle and Mike and Patrick, we would come in here and we would run the live stream. So we would record a service and then just play it on the weekend during the normal service times, sitting here looking at this big empty room. It was terrible because we're not meant to be like that. We're meant to be in fellowship with other believers. It brings us closer to each other. It activates joy. It's hard to be miserable when you're in this environment, right? You just feel, you feel the energy of each other. You feel the Holy Spirit working. It's just a good environment. It reassures us. It tunes us into focusing on God. This is important. It is vitally important, and it's biblical. And when we get together like this, it's not just good worship and we get a good feeling and then we go home. We're committed to the Word of God, the Bible, and so this church has always had a strong commitment to what's called expository teaching, which means we go through a whole book of the Bible, word by word, verse by verse, line by line, until we cover the whole thing. It took us 13 months to do the book of Matthew. It'll take us four or five weeks uh, to do the book of Philippians. Then we'll get into Romans and just do that till God comes back, and, and it's going to take us a while. But anyways, we study verse by verse, and the reason why that's so important is when you study the Bible like that, it prohibits you from skipping over the hard stuff. We just got to cover it. We got to talk about it. We got to dig in deep. It also puts the Bible in proper context. 
So what that does when we, when we teach and study the way that we do in this church, it helps you comprehend. I got that compliment all the time. Still get it all the time. People come up and they're like, man, I've been a Christian for 30 years, but until someone just kind of read the word and we broke it down, I never understood it the way I do now. It helps you understand it. It also creates a love of the Bible and the life of a Christian. When you get into this book, man, there's some crazy stuff in this book amazing stories in this book. You see that people made the same mistakes three, 4,000 years ago as we do today. It's amazing when you get in that. Basically, studying and teaching the way we do, it just grows Christians faster. It just accelerates the process of knowing more and more about Jesus. Also, when we do our, our weekly gatherings like this, we always have communion, right? It's a little bit different because of COVID. We'll eventually go back to having it at the tables and having the actual little cups of wine. We'll do that. But now we have the little single serving things. It's a good time to repent, good time to focus on the cross. We always have people at the front to pray with you if you need anything. And then we always have a pastor on the corner of the stage. If you're new or maybe you brought someone that's new and, and they're just not a Christian or maybe they just have questions, we invite them, go up. You can talk to a pastor ask as many questions as you want, and hopefully move forward in your walk. So we go from the weekend service, what we're doing right now, and hopefully you'll come to a next class. And that's when you want to get a little bit more committed to the church. Second Monday of every month, we come in here, we give you a tour. I tell you my life story. We tell you about how we started the church. We let you ask any questions you want to ask. And we just kind of challenge you, either, either get plugged in here and if you don't like this place, let's find you another church and we'll get you plugged in there. We just want you to be plugged into the body of God, okay? That's what next class does. Move on from next class and we invite you to be in community, which is small groups. So God, the God that we follow is communal, which means he's a, a perfect community within himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we're made in the image of a communal God, that means we are Communal means we're not meant to go Lone Ranger. We're not meant to go solo. We're supposed to have people around us. So biblically, the church has always done this in the weekends, and then they met in small groups throughout the week. The reason that's important is that's how you're held accountable. You know, I get a kick out of people. Whenever people go, well, I don't like big churches because you can't be held accountable. Here's the thing. You can't go to any church if you're not involved in a small group and be held accountable. You know, science says that a human can really only memorize the faces and names of about 120 people. So if you want to go to a church where the pastor knows every single person in the congregation and knows every single time they miss church, you can never go to a church bigger than 120. And so the reason why we have small groups is when you're in small groups and in community, those are the people that hold you accountable. Those are the people you get into deep discussion with. Those are your friends. Those are those intergenerational relationships, which means if, you, if you're a younger man, I'm 41, I'm still young. If you're a younger man and you don't have a dad in your life, I have older men at this church that kind of fill that role in my life. That's, we're a family. And so it creates that environment. I think this is where church really happens. If you end up in the hospital, it's going to be the people from your small group that will probably be the first to know and the first to be there. If you need help with anything, right, it's because you have that accountability, because you have that circle of people around you. You need that. That's where church really happens. So we move from community, we're in that circle now, into development. These are actually strategic classes, like one that we offer called Following Jesus. Um, Isaac wrote the curriculum for this. It's fantastic. It's seven weeks long talks about prayer and worship, the Bible, baptism and communion, the Trinity, the church, how to share your faith and discipleship. You can sign up for this at any time. You can get on the app and sign up, the website. You can send an email to Isaac at experiencecc.com. Um, you can also send all your grievances and, and hate mail uh, to Isaac at experiencecc.com. If you're online right now and you just don't like this church, Isaac <laughs> at experiencecc.com, just send it that way. He'll take care of you. <laughs> and then from that, we also have another class called Authentic Discipleship. It's a little bit longer. It's 12 weeks. And this teaches you how to be a deeper disciple. And then it teaches you how to go out and make disciples of Christ. Another thing, if you have the smartphone, uh, if you have the app on your smartphone, there's a thing on our app called Discovery Bible Study. And if you click on that, go to Home Development and DBS it's basically like uh, how to start a small group in a box. I mean, it's like 
You can just do this. It gives you kind of a rundown, breaks it down, and almost anywhere you can start small groups and small group discussion. Just an added tool for you guys that we give you guys. We offer things like Financial Peace University, uh, which has changed my life. It's changed the trajectory of this church. We offer preparing for marriage. If you're engaged or thinking about getting married and you want to sit under some good teaching, the couple that teaches that, they've been married for 40 years, you can go sit under them and, and work with them. If you want more information, info at experiencecc.com. Send us an email and we'll get you more information about that. And then, of course, where I think our church really, really shines is in serving. Um, we do this very, very well at this church. We do 5,000, which is a homeless ministry that, that serves it, serves at the 9 o'clock service out in the park. We do Stepping Stones, which is another homeless ministry, but it's catered just towards women and children. They actually stay in a room next to my office two weekends a month, and um, they come to church, and we get them breakfast, and we make them dinner. We have bar ministry that serves out on the square on Friday nights where people are coming out of the bars, possibly intoxicated. So we give them, we set up like a legit hot dog stand and we got a guy with a big hot dog, free hot dogs and give out hot dogs, give out water, try to sober people up before they go home. We have our reclaimed ministry that, that uh, goes over to the prisons and works with men and women at our local, local jail. And on top of that, we partner with all these nonprofits. We give 20% of our income, and then we funnel people to serve in the different nonprofits in our city. So this has not slowed down in 2020 or, or in 2021. And if you're interested in any of these things, Travis at experiencecc.com can get you plugged into serving, okay? Serving is a big part of our community. Another thing that's a big part of our community, it's not one of those five steps that I showed you on that graph, but it's kind of beyond that is this church is committed to planting more churches. So besides this campus, we have started three other churches. One of them did not work out, so we have two other ones uh, besides this one, one in Cannon County and one in Antioch. And then we have this one here. And so we're committed to doing this more. Most of the time, I know Antioch is not this, but we want to go out to more rural areas and we want to plant churches in more rural areas. The reason why we are focusing on more rural areas is they are neglected. And so everyone wants to plant churches in areas like Murfreesboro because it's busting at the seam, it's growing, there's a lot of money in this county, there's a college in this county, so everyone wants to come here and plant churches. Now, I guess that's okay, except for the fact that there are all these areas a half hour, 45 minutes away, where it seems like no one wants to plant churches, and that's where you have the highest amount of teen pregnancies and methamphetamines, that's where you have all kinds of issues going on, but they're completely neglected. They don't have churches that are reaching out to them or they have churches that just aren't healthy. So one of our big goals is to go out to those areas and plant churches. I'll tell you a good example. When we planted our church in Cannon County in Woodbury, uh, that's a town of 2,000 people, not very much. But we had, we'd been praying about it in 2017. We launched our, our second campus out there in Cannon County. And before COVID, we had 550 people in a town of 2,000 going to that church, doing amazing things because it was neglected. So the next two areas that we have our sights on are the Manchester, Tullahoma area and um, Shelbyville. So the reason Shelbyville is highlighted, and I'm going to try not to say too much, but I'm kind of excited about it, is uh, in the beginning of the fast, which we've only been in it for, what, six days now, every year we do the fast, something miraculous happens with the church. Um, about a week ago, I, I was contacted from, from a gentleman who, who is from Shelbyville but comes to church here, uh, who is part of a church that they no longer have a pastor and the congregation has dwindled a little bit, uh, but they're completely debt-free, have a building, have everything, and they, they got a hold of us and said, we just want to completely hand it all over to you. You call it the Experience Community Shelbyville. You guys staff it. You guys do everything. It's, it's yours. We just want a good, healthy church in Shelbyville. So I'm going to go out there in a couple of weeks introduce myself. And, and yeah, so, um, so I'm extremely confident that we will have an experienced community Shelbyville in the next four to six months. Okay. Very confident about that. Um, and then our next goal will be the Manchester, Tullahoma area. Right. But this is something that's very important to us. Okay. Finances. This is where you guys, uh, take a nap. No, no, it's important. The reason I show you finances is, listen, if I'm going to ask you to trust me and my team with your money, I think it is up to me to show you where all that money goes. I'm not trying to talk bad about other churches. I'm a little disturbed, and I think you should be as well. 
at how many churches never reveal where the money goes in the church. I think that's a problem. I think that's why a lot of people don't trust a lot of churches nowadays. So let me brag on you guys a second. Our predicted budget for 2020 was $4.8 million. In one of the most chaotic years where unemployment skyrocketed, the economy was all up in the air and messed up, people were losing their jobs, a lot of people couldn't work, things like that, you guys gave $1.5 million more than we thought you would give. You guys gave $6.3 million. Now listen, this isn't a time when churches are closing, churches are going bankrupt, they can't pay their mortgages, and you guys have given more than you have ever given in the history of this church in the last almost 12 years. So usually what we do is we build a budget based on the previous year's giving. We're not going to do that for 2021. We have budgeted 5.1 million instead of 6.3. And the reason why we're doing that is we're just going to pretend like that extra million or 1.2 million doesn't exist. We're going to put that onto this building and we will pay this building off one year earlier than we were previously planning on paying this building off. So that's great. Uh, We will have paid this entire building off in four years. We said we were going to do it in five. We will have done it in four by the end of this year. Now, let me tell you where the rest of our money is going, because I just want to be transparent. 36% of our budget, 36.2, goes towards staff. So that's not just people who work here. It's also our benefits, our health benefits and things like that. The reason why I put the percentage there is most churches, big churches, are 50 to 60% of their entire budget is staff. Ours is 36, which means no one here is getting rich off you guys. I know I look like I'm getting rich off you. If you see my 2007 Toyota, you're probably thinking, what's he doing with that money? But I promise you, (laughs) looks can be deceiving. We're, uh, listen, we're not starving to death either, but, but we're not living, um, ridiculously with your money. We have other administration that is, uh, we hired a couple of guys to, to help with this church out in Shelbyville. We pay the sheriff's department to be here on the weekend. We pay the police department to be here on the weekend. We have a maintenance team. We have an outside CPA just to make sure we're doing everything legally. We pay a lot of taxes. People don't think churches pay taxes. We do. And um, we pay for childcare for small groups during the week. Our mortgage, which we, let me tell you about our mortgage. We never took out a loan. We don't technically have any debt. I have a really good relationship with the guy we bought this building from. Of course, we signed papers, but we never took out a loan from a bank. We just pay him directly. He said, pay it off within 15 years. I said, no, we're going to pay it off in five or less. And so that's what we do. So we have tripled the mortgage every single time we've ever paid for it. All right. And so we pay about $120,000 a month on this building. Now, let me tell you why that's important to know. When we pay this building off, we already give away. Let me go to the next slide. We already will be giving away $1.26 million in 2021. In 2022, once we pay off the mortgage, that will literally more than double. We will be able to give away somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.5 million a year back to the community. No one does that. And I'm not trying to boast or brag. That's you guys. I'm bragging on you guys. We are going to be able to give so much. We'll be able to start churches. We'll be able to do more for the homeless and the jail system and the schools here. We give a lot of money to the schools in our community, doing more for the churches in New England, our work in Uganda and El Salvador. It's just going to open the door wide open. So we have always given 20% of our income to benevolence in 2021. You know what I've learned? I can never outgive God. Personally and with this church, the more we give, the more God's like, here, here's some more, right? So we've always given away 20%. We're going to up that in 2021 to almost 25% that will leave this door. So almost a quarter of everything that comes in will go right back out to do community service and benevolence. All these other numbers are pretty boring. Ministry expenses is like all the stuff we got to buy to, to just do ministry around here. Operating costs, because we're in the most inefficient building in the county. Uh, utilities, printing, <laughs> building repair. Uh, savings, anything that we have extra just goes in that. Um, our Woodbury campus costs us about half a million dollars a year, and then our Crossland campus is about $35,000 a year. That's just for salaries, everything we do in those other campuses, okay? Now, here's the thing about giving here. I don't know if you give. I do not want to know if you give. The only people that I know if they give to this church financially or not are elders, because if you're making financial decisions, you should be invested financially. Makes sense. 
And I know of people who work here tithe, because if you're going to get a paycheck from you people, then you should be contributing back as well. That's it. Beyond that, I don't know who gives, okay? I don't look at the sheet because I don't want to judge anyone different. I'm human, and I just don't want to, to, to put that in front of me. Now, some people will argue that tithing to a church is not New Testament uh, theology, I, I, I disagree. I, I think it is New Testament theology, but even if you don't agree in the 10% bar, you cannot get around the fact that in the New Testament, the church was called to be generous with their giving so they could bless people, feed the poor, clothe the naked, start new churches, help churches that were in, in harder areas, and that's what we do with your money, okay? So it takes time, it takes energy, it also takes a financial commitment. If we're going to take 10,000 Bibles and take them to Uganda, where they have access to no Bibles in their native language, which is Lugandan, it costs money to buy those Bibles. So, and that's, and you guys, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are loose with your money at this church. You give your benevolent people, okay? Let me brag on you some more. So in 2020, again, when a lot of churches were pausing, a lot of places were just kind of pumping the brakes on everything, you guys didn't pump the brakes. You kept moving forward. We still baptized with all the different obstacles we had in 2020. We still baptized over 200 people in this campus alone last year. That's amazing. Your giving was at an all-time high, which means we gave away more money than we had ever given away. Our community service stuff, uh, stuff never stopped. We did a yard day in the middle of COVID and had almost 400 people go out to the community and mow yards and mulch and weedy. Um, we put 556 people through following Jesus and authentic discipleship. We're on track to pay the building off early. Um, we're preparing, and I think we'll have one church in the next six months and probably a second church, hopefully by the end of this year or early 2022. So we're moving forward with that. 31 couples from our church got married that we know of last year that went through our, our preparing for marriage class. We did 200 Thanksgiving meals free to the community. We gave away, a th I didn't put it up here, a thousand boxes of food, a thing that Muhammad put together and fed a thousand uh, families one time out in our parking lot, giving them boxes of food. On top of the money our church already gives to nonprofits, Cash from your wallet, from your purse, when we have the, the booths back there. Last year, you guys gave an extra $100,000 out of your own pocket to the nonprofits that we support. Not only that, in 2020, some people on staff and a bunch of volunteers got together because we just wanted to make sure everyone was okay. We have called over 10,000 people that are in our database during COVID just saying, are you okay? Is everything all right? Do you need anything? Can you pay your bills? Do you need any food? Everything all right? 10,000 people we contacted. That is amazing. We have not slowed down at all in 2020, and we don't look to slow down in 2021. So here's the thing. Here's the, here's the heart of this today. We're going to talk about kind of the philosophy, if you will, a little bit behind all this. If you haven't noticed, because the North American church has built itself on things that I don't believe are really fundamental, we have seen in the last 12 or 13 months just how brittle faith is in the United States. We are divided. We are angry. We are broken. It is not, uh, it is not the nation under God that I think a lot of us thought that it was. So what we have to do, I'm talking about us is you and I are going to have to focus on the fundamentals. Our mission at this church has always been and will always be to lead people to Christ, to disciple them, to teach them the word of God, to baptize them, and then to equip them to go back out in their world and do the same for their neighbor. This will also be a place, now say this carefully, and you guys already do this, but if you're new here, this will be a place where we will welcome in any kind of person into these doors. That doesn't mean that we condone everything they do, but you are going to sit by people that live diametrically opposed to you. You're going to sit by people that act differently, look differently, think differently than you. And sometimes in your head, you might go, man, those people are in church. Yes. And shouldn't they be? This is where we want the most broken of society to come and land. Doesn't mean we will relent on our biblical principles. Whenever people are saying, Corey, are you going to let those people in? Yes, I'm going to let those people in. Whoever those people are, if they are distant from Jesus Christ, this is where you want them. Okay? So we're always going to be that kind of church. And so if, if you don't like that, if you only want to be in a room with people that think and look just like you, you're going to hate this place. You're going to hate it. 
So when we come in here, we're going to get our hands dirty because the world is messed up. And that's what we're called to do. That's why Jesus said, go out like sheep among wolves. Well, that's not comfortable and safe. Jesus never told you it was going to be comfortable and safe. And so that's how this church has always looked. And it's a church, it's always going to look like that, okay? So we're going to dig deep. We're going to grow intimate. We're going to talk about the hard stuff. We're going to get into the deep end of the pool. You're going to be around people that are different from you. It's actually pretty exciting and cool. This is one of the most unique groups of people you will ever be around in your entire life, right? It's so neat. So here's what we have to do. We have to build a firm foundation on these things. We have to pray. We have to fast. We have to study the word of God. If you are not doing the fast with us right now, please pick up a book on your way out. It's a buck. Pick up a book on your way out. And even if you've missed the first week, jump on it now. Jesus said some things only happen when you pray and you fast. So we need to be praying. We need to be fasting. We need to be studying the word of God. We need to be following the teachings of Jesus. We need to be loving and serving each other. You guys do a phenomenal job at that. We need to be loving and serving our city. You do a phenomenal job with that. And we need to be loving and serving and sharing the gospel with people who are lost. People not like us. We must be true disciples, making more true disciples. You guys already do this phenomenally. But here again, let me go back to this. I hope you have noticed, if you're a Christian watching or in this room, or even if you're not a Christian, I hope you've noticed. I hope you've noticed in the last year the fruit of a culture that is distant from God. What that means is, I think we have seen the ramifications. Look at the division. Look at the anger. Look at the confusion. Look at the state of our nation right now. And what we are seeing is we are seeing the fruit of a collective body of people who have pursued themselves over Jesus. That's what we're seeing the fruit of right now. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. So we can put on the happy face. We can have the Instagram picture that makes everything look great in our lives. But the reality is, is this nation is falling apart and the people in it are as well. So we have also seen the results. I blame the church a lot. Not everything, but I blame a lot of it. If we had loved the lost the way that the church was supposed to love the lost, if we had been praying for people the way we should, if we had been reaching out to people the way we should, but what we have done is we have made a church that's not based on prayer and disciple-making and fasting and loving the lost and studying the word. We've built churches on celebrity pastors. We've built them on huge, ornate buildings. We've built them on all the wrong things. And I think what we have noticed in the last 12 months is Christianity in the United States is paper thin. It is brittle. It is paper thin. I think we've seen the ramifications of that. So here's what I think God has done. And I'm trying to be pessimistic today. We'll get to the encouraging side of this. But what I think God has done in the last year is I think God has lifted up the hood of society, culture, and the church. And to the eyes that want to see it, to the ears that want to hear it, God is saying, look, your engine is not running properly. You have put junk into this. And because of that, the engine is not firing the way it should. Now, that's not an altogether bad thing. When the hood is lifted, now we can deal with the engine. If we're sick and we have the diagnosis that we have a cancer, now we can deal with it. We don't need to put our head in the sand and just act like everything's okay. It's not okay. That's okay. We have God's grace. We have God's leadership. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can turn the ship around. So now more than ever, we as individuals, you and I, need to start off with ourselves first. And we need to, to strive to do the things that glorify God, seek God's will above ours. That's why John the Baptist said, less of me, more of him. That's why Jesus said, if you want to find your life, lose your life. So Jesus said, it is giving up what we want and trading it in for what God wants. That's what we need to do. We also need to commit personally not just for someone else to do it, not just for the church, but us as individuals. We need to commit to the Great Commission. Do you know what I know a fantastic New Year's resolution? We should all resolve in 2021 to go lead someone to Christ and baptize them and teach them the word. Imagine if all of us did that. Imagine if all of us just this year, 
This church pre-COVID was like 5,500 people. Imagine if all 5,500 of us, right, committed to go out to disciple, to baptize, and teach. We'd baptize 5,500 people. We'd have to plant a bunch more churches because we just wouldn't have the room for them here. Think how the kingdom of God would grow if we all just, just went out and did the Great Commission one time in 2021. Think if we all did that. So if we're going to do that, though, we have to mature as believers. We have to get out of the shallow end of the pool and go into the deeper end. I'm going to do my best to help you with that from, from here. We have different programs and different people and this whole process that I told you about that'll help you with this. But what it does is it equips us to go out into the world and not just love the world. Everyone's like, man, we just need to go love people. That's great, but you're not fully loving them unless you share the truth with them as well. Jesus at the woman in the well, if you've never heard the story, he loved this woman, right? He's sitting there with this woman. She, she had done, she had a, a bad reputation, been with a lot of guys, right? And as they're sitting there talking, he was very kind to her and gentle to her. But there came a point in their conversation where he said, you have to stop living like that. You're never gonna turn the corner. You're never gonna please God unless you stop that sin. Don't do that anymore. He had to bring the truth to her. In order for her life to change, she had to have the truth because the Bible says the only thing that sets you free is the truth. If we truly love people, if we truly want them to be free, you have to give them the truth. You have to share the truth. Now more than ever. Now more than ever, we, this church, has to be honest and straightforward. I said that the church should not be safe. I know it should be safe as far as you should be physically safe in here. You should also be safe in here to confess whatever you struggle with. If you're new to this church, a lot of people are not used to a church to where they talk about things like pornography and greed and racism. and They're not used to that kind of stuff. I'll say pornography up here sometimes on the weekend and people are like, <gasps> it's like that scene in Indiana Jones when the guy melts, you know? The Ark of the Covenant opens up. You can see someone in the back. They're talking about real stuff. I just wanted to check this box off. Anyways, we're gonna be the kind of church where we talk about real stuff. We're gonna address those things. I had a woman leave our church one time. She said, my husband and I were appalled that you brought up pornography. I didn't say this, but I thought, I'm like, maybe your husband was so appalled because he struggled with it. That's why we talk about these things, because we're real, right? And we have real struggles and real faults. So this is always going to be a safe place for you to be vulnerable. Always going to be a safe place for you to be vulnerable. Now more than ever, we need to love the lost. You need to love the lost. You need to love the Muslims in your community. You need to love the Buddhists in your community. We don't agree with them theologically. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to love them. You need to love the gay community. You need to love the transgendered community. You need to love the uber right-wing people. You need to love the uber left-wing people. You don't have to agree with them, ideology. You don't have to agree with their theology, but you do have to love them. You do have to love them. And it's gonna get messy and it gets complicated. But here's what we have to do right now, guys. We have to reshape the reputation of God and the church in the United States. Right now, the Christian church has a terrible reputation. There, if you notice, the, oh man, I gotta, I'm being, please don't throw anything at me. When all those people were storming the Capitol, did you notice all the ones that had flags that said Jesus on them? You know what that does? I'm not saying that those are Jesus followers storming the Capitol. But what I'm saying is a lot of non-believers say, those, those are Christians doing this? Get, on, get online right now and look at how many articles are saying there's a reckoning for the evangelical movement in the United States right now. Our reputation is deeply flawed. God didn't do anything wrong. I'm not saying you guys did anything wrong, but Christianity as a whole in the United States has dropped the ball. We've made more to do about celebrity pastors in big buildings, right, than we have about the work of our Father. Now, if you're, if you're a nerd in here, I'm a nerd. And during the fast, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to, there's a guy named Lance Ralston. He's from Southern California. He pastors at Calvary Chapel Church in Oxnard, California. He did a whole podcast on the history of Christianity, starting from right after the, the 12 disciples, and then he goes into the disciples of the disciples and works all his way through. When you get into about the second or third century, right, there's a lot of Christian persecution, uh, the Roman Empire that was just uber lost, right? I mean, much worse than our government, very hedonistic, very dark, messed up culture. And so a lot of the early church fathers, guys like Ignatius and Justin the Martyr and Polycarp of Smyrna, these different guys, 
They would write down how the church was just exploding. I say church, they didn't have buildings to worship in at that time. But how Christianity was just exploding in the Roman Empire. And you know what? They wrote down why it was exploding. And it wasn't some celebrity cool guy that wore super tight jeans on YouTube. It wasn't a big fancy ornate building. It wasn't, you know, best-selling books. It wasn't any of that stuff. Do you know how they kept writing down how the church would grow? It said that so many people in the Roman Empire were turning to the, the, the religion of Christianity because of the character of the people that followed Jesus. What it meant was, is the people who claimed to follow Jesus would go out in the marketplace and they were nice to people and they tipped well, and they had integrity in their business. When they were treated poorly, they would still be kind. Do you know what the early church did when it came to government? Their government was much more corrupt than ours is, by the way. They would record the prayers in something called the didymi, and they would record these prayers. And one of the things that they would record is every single church service, man, if I did this, I would get like, it wouldn't be good. But they, every single church service, they would open up with prayer for their government officials, and they would start at the Caesar and work their way down the chain, naming them by name. And do you know what they would pray about? They wouldn't pray the wrath of God on them. They wouldn't pray that bad things happen to them. They wouldn't pray that this person get elected versus that, even though they didn't have elections. They wouldn't do any of that. They would pray blessings for the Caesar. They would pray blessings and protection for his wife and kids. They would pray blessings and protection, and they would go down because they knew the only way to change the world was by loving people and treating them well. That's what they knew. So it was the character of God lived out through his followers. That's how the church eventually became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And the United States has gotten it all wrong. We think more flashy stuff and we'll change the world. No, no, no. We have to start living like Jesus and build back that reputation. Now more than ever, Brothers, sisters, you need to make sure that you are on board with God's mission. Now, if you sit in here and say, man, I'm in it. I'm in, I'm, yeah, God's mission. You have to know that Jesus told us we're gonna carry a cross. It is sacrificial. It is frustrating. It sometimes feels like a very uphill battle. But we have to be committed to the mission of God. We also have to be committed to living out what this book says. So if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, we have to believe that this is the inspired word of God, that every single word is here for a reason, and that we are to follow the teachings of this book. Again, we say yes, but this book is countercultural. It has always been countercultural. It has never been the cool thing to do. But are we committed to following and living out the teachings of that? And why is all this so important? Why are we doing a vision service? Why do we care where the money goes? Why do we care about going out and being nice to people? Why do we care about following biblical principles? The reason why is absolutely everything is at stake. I'm not talking about your government. I'm not talking about what's, what's cool on Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, 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 the eternal souls of people. That's what's on the line here. What's on the line? Your kids are on the line. What's on the line? Your neighbor's soul is on the line. What's on the line? You're on the line. In this world, if Christ, if we have a marriage void of Christ, our marriage is going to fall apart. If we raise our children void of Christ, our kids are not going to go the way they're supposed to go. And in eternity, if we are not following Christ, people, listen, do you guys, I think Christians have forgotten this. And this has been detrimental to the faith of people in the United States. We as Christians have forgotten that when we leave these doors, it doesn't matter if it's a right-wing nutcase or a left-wing liberal or a Muslim or a gay, it doesn't matter who it is. Every single person you lay your eyes on is made in the same image of God that you are, and that, people, that person will either be in heaven with Jesus forever or in hell and torment for eternity. Every person you look at, and I think we've forgotten that. What's on the line? Eternity is on the line. This is not fun and games. This is not playtime. This is not a social club. This is, this is heaven or hell. I think we forget that urgency sometimes. Let me tell you a story real quick. I got a couple of minutes. So on Thursdays, our staff, people that work here, our team, we're always going through a, a different book. This was not my idea, but right now we're going through the last book that I wrote, right? We're going through it, which is awkward. And so um, 
I forget things that I write. And so the other day I'm at, at Just Love and uh, I'm reading my own book, which is probably the most pretentious thing anyone could ever do. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to hide it like I'm off in the corner. And this guy, Mikey, that works at Just Love, he walks up and goes, hey, Corey, what are you reading? I'm like, okay, so before I tell you what I'm reading, let me preface this. And he just goes, you're reading your own book, aren't you? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. Go Make some coffee, go away. Anyways, uh, so we were leaving after doing our book discussion on Thursday. And one of the questions we talked about is, as a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you can probably identify with this. We start thinking that it's not our job anymore to go out and bring people into church and to, to baptize them and teach them, right? I'm a pastor, right? I, I started the church. That's your job. You guys go out. You get people. You bring them in, you know, and, and that's the way it works because I've already paid my dues. A lot of us think like that. And so I felt really convicted. We work a half day on Thursday. We were leaving on Thursday, and I was going to go home and do some emails and finish up some work at home, not be bothered, be by myself. And on the way home, God, not audibly, I didn't hear it like that, but it was pretty strong. God said, why don't you go do your work public somewhere? So I went to Just Love by my house. I just like working there. I like all the people there. So I pulled into Just Love, got myself a tea, some fasting coffee, right? Big mansion in heaven. Anyways, <laughs> um, went in there. <laughs> she says, hey, when you look up on the hills in heaven, and I'm like, remember the coffee fast? <laughs> Anyways, so... Uh, <laughs> So I'm in there and I, I, I get a tea. I sit down in this corner by myself. There's no one else there, but I'm, I'm being obedient to God, right? I'm, I'm going to be accessible, if you will. Got my laptop open. I'm answering emails. And this super nice younger Muslim couple walks in. They're probably uh, mid-30s. They got a little boy. I'm guessing he's about two. And they walk in and she's got her hijab on and everything. And, and they go, hey, can we sit here? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So they sit down and I'm still working, right? And I'm just working. Because I don't, you know, I don't want to bug people. I'm working. And he just starts talking to me. He goes, hey, are you, are you from here? And I said, yeah. I shut my laptop. I was like, yeah, yeah. How long you guys been here? He says, well, I've lived here four years. My wife has lived here for, for one year. And she starts talking to me. And I was like, man, your you guys' English is really, really good for only living here four years. And, and you're only, you've only been here for a year and your English is good. And I looked at her and I said, <laughs> I said, how is your English so good? And she goes, American movies. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's impressive. I said, what's your favorite American movie? And she just lit up and she goes, Titanic. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you've learned this much English from Titanic. And his, her husband was laughing. Anyways, the point of it is, is I sat there for probably 45 minutes to an hour. And we're just talking. I mean, we're talking about everything, Titanic. And I asked him, what do you think about the United States right now? And are you enjoying yourself here? And we're just talking. And you just, here, here's, here's what I'm getting at. It was positioning myself to talk to people. I didn't force anything. I didn't have a big, thick Bible sitting out. I wasn't reading something about how terrible Muslims were or anything like that. I wasn't looking to get into a debate. We were just talking like people. And the more and more we talked, he finally looked at me and he goes, Corey, what do you do for a living? So I pastor a Christian church here in town. He goes, oh, tell me about your Christian church. And his wife's on edge. Now listen, they didn't give their lives to Jesus right at that moment. And let me tell you something about talking to people. The results are not up to us. We're called to plant, water, and God will do what God does to their heart. But the point is this. I would have never sat and talked to this wonderful, beautiful, sweet couple if I wouldn't have been intentional about positioning myself. And here's the other thing. When they started talking to me, I have to erase any preconceived notion I may have in my mind. And I don't think about their religion. I don't think about their skin color. I think this is a person made in the image of God and they will either spend eternity with Jesus or eternity apart from them. And I may be the only Christian that gives them the time of day today. Here's what I'm challenging you to do. We need to look at people like Jesus looks at people. We need to love people like Jesus loves them. We need to be committed with as much energy and as much opportunity as we can have. And I pray for God to give me opportunity that we can come in contact with people like that, build a rapport with them. We exchanged phone numbers. We may hang out again. So we, we, just, we do this, right? In the hopes that I can naturally build up this reputation of Jesus and that I can share my faith with this individual and hopefully God will start to work on their hearts. Why? Because that young couple and that little boy are going to spend somewhere in eternity. 
and I don't wanna be the one that neglected the opportunity to share with them my faith. That's what I wanna challenge you with. There's a lot of people in this city, man, a lot of people. And Jesus has called you and I to be the salt and you and I to be the light. It's not someone else's job. It's my job. It's your job. We've got to go out. Everything's in the balance. Listen, last thing. You couldn't be a better church. You're a phenomenal church. I'm so proud to be your pastor. I'm so proud to get to serve with you. I'm so proud of you. You're really the most unique group of people in a good way. I mean, you're amazing. And um, I just want to tell you, I think it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be hard, just like 2020 was hard. But I think you're going to see the kingdom of God advance. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're in this room, um, just as I said earlier, up here on my right, your left, Pastor Muhammad is up here. If you have any questions for him, if you're new to the faith, maybe, you, maybe you're not new to the faith, but, but maybe you're just getting into this church. you have any questions, Pastor Muhammad would love to talk to you. There's men and women on both sides of the stage. They'd love to pray with you. If you have any prayer requests or anything you'd like to, to just get prayer for, for. And we also have communion. You should have it in your hands. That represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We have to repent to Jesus before we take that. But that's a reminder, like what we talked about last week, not just that Jesus died and rose again for you. The last words of Matthew were, and I am with you always to the end of the age. Listen, when you go out into this world, you're not by yourself. Even if you're physically by yourself, you're not spiritually by yourself. It says in the gospel that if we don't have the words, pray for God and he'll give you the words. If we struggle with our patience and if we struggle with how we look at people, pray for God to help you. He'll change the way you see people. He'll change the way you think and act and talk. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. We just got to lean on him. He's with us till the end of the age. Father, bless this church. God, I love, 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 love this congregation. They have been good to me, God. They've been good for this city. I just pray that we don't slow down, God. Lord, let us keep moving forward. Let us keep pushing on, God. Lord, let us be ambitious with your, with your, your, your great commission and your mission in what you want us to do, God. Let us trust you. Let us lean on you, God. And Father, we know that you'll, you'll take care of us. Thank you for being so gracious with us, Lord. Bless all the families in here, all the single people in here, God, the moms, the dads, the sons, the daughters. Lord, let us live a life that is worthy of your gospel, God. Pray all these things in your son's name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you, guys.